Hello, everyone. Welcome to an extra episode of the Carlton Rap Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Seppi, and I'm on my own today. I've uh, got this room for a uni assignment that has the nice audio tech in it, so I thought, why not just record a one-off? I'm without Ari or Kira, Jazz, Tori for this one. Just a one-off. I'm sure they'll return for the mid-season review. So I'm trying it on my own. Um, which is unusual. I haven't done this on my own for quite a while. Usually I get a guest on or, you know, multiple just to give some more perspectives and it's always uh, good to bounce your conversation off other people or someone else. But today, doing it solo. And I thought I'd just give a bit of a recap of the first couple of weeks, well, first eight rounds it's been now of Carlton football and this excludes the Brisbane game. It's been recorded actually the afternoon before it. So I guess this podcast might sound a bit stupid in about 24 hours or it might might make things sound a bit good uh, if hopefully tonight goes really well. Hoping it does, but it's a big time game and usually those don't turn out very well. So I thought I'll just go through each game, give my perspective and I like to give the probably the 2000s perspective on it I think apart from this podcast where I've got you know I get Ari Kira on occasionally where we're of the uh, 0304 generation there's not really a lot others that do a podcast around our age we've got Lockie and Ian that uh, do the navy blue corner which is fantastic they're probably a couple of years older and probably the closest around our age and then it sort of slowly creeps up a couple of years as well and sadly still the same amount of success has been seen between I think those of us who are like 18, 19 and the same for those who are about 26 to 30, right? Because I don't think they would have remembered 95 very well. So that's a sad thought, but hopefully that changes soon. But I'll go back all the way to round one against Richmond. One of the worst opening games it's probably been for a while and we've had some spankings by the Tigers, but that was just a tough game to watch. I think a lot of people can agree on that. It wasn't a very exciting and thrilling, enthralling game. Probably what was expected where it was just going to be a lot of high intensity, but low execution type football purely because there's that pressure to start well, not get behind, which we've tended to do quite a lot against Richmond and started very well. I, I, not extremely well to the sense we were dominating, but, we weren't letting Richmond have a lot of impact and I thought that was important. And I think I saw Kira halftime and I did say to her, you know, how many times in football, and I, and I don't have a stat for this, but how many times do you let an opposition score 16 points in a half and they go on to win the game? And if that was just a general question asked to a lot of people, I think a lot of people would say, well, probably never or, you know, one out of, you know, one or two times out of 10, it would ever happen, right? So, yeah, I wasn't very happy that this was a draw. It was just, and especially now looking back at this game, you you definitely think you've lost two points rather than gained two points when we look at that whole two-point factor of the draw. Definitely disappointing not to have got the win in that game. And we were probably lucky that Richmond were a bit inaccurate in that third quarter. They probably could have kicked away and they didn't. But we we, we did stick stick in it. Um, but you could also say we should have won it in those last 
two minutes. Um, if you've if you're a regular listener, you'll know my consistent disapproval of Lockie O'Brien, but I wasn't actually critical of him in that last play along the win. I, I thought he actually did everything he could have done in the best way possible. That kick, he actually nailed the kick. Uh, I'm not sure why people said, you know, go for goal. He actually nailed the kick as well as he could have. Just came in front of Harry's eyes in a split second, and I think that's what really made him drop the mark in the end. But it was a very weird opening game, and it you know it was not my first draw, so I didn't feel too weird. The first time I went to a draw wasn't actually a Carlton game; it was a uh, St Kilda John, if anyone can remember back in twenty fifteen. Uh, that was my first one, but I still remember the feeling of being very. Empty as if you have wasted two and a half hours that you will never get back. So it was an interesting feeling to start the season. And it always helps because you've got the next week to bounce back. And it was never going to be an easy bounce back, but they eventually did. But to touch on some uh, good performances from the first round, Doherty, 150th game tonight. What a, that like that, that is a player that deserves to get a win. On 150th, I mean, all players deserve to get a milestone win, but uh, him, you know, he's just he's fantastic. It's one of those role model type players that you keep looking at as a inspiration for you know resilience, bouncing back, and he's he's shown that through his whole career, and he's fantastic. He was very good on that night. Uh, George Hewitt. It was actually weird thinking about George Hewitt the other day that he missed round 23 uh, of last year, and I completely forgot that. So just to think, you know, what the difference these players make and he does make a very big impact. Just such such a good hard worker, a lot of grunt on the football. Definitely someone you can't afford to lose in your side come those critical games and I think we learned that last year. But that was probably it. That was It was just a pretty average game from a lot of people and only eight goals, Charlie kicked three. Um, and I, that was better than 2022. I think he didn't kick a goal from memory. So three goals for him, and he's had a great start. It's just exciting to watch. Uh, and I don't really remember a lot of Fev when he played. I, I remember like 09 to 11, but in the slightest, not in as much detail as most other people would have been, you know, a couple of years older than me. So Charlie's definitely the most exciting I've ever had to watch. And it's weird because he doesn't look dominant like in terms of his figure maybe just because I haven't seen him up close for a while like I have but haven't taken a lot of notice to it but he just always dominates and wins those one-on-ones every time and it would be quite a nightmare to play against him if you were a defender but he started off well it was a yeah not a not a terrific start and it wasn't the best feeling leaving that stadium but in contrast looking at the week after against the Cats that was just such an impressive performance. Uh, this, you know, I, I particularly dislike just Geelong quietly on this podcast. I'll say that, but uh, it was great. We uh, the, the amount of times they've whipped us over the last 10 years, 10, 15 years. And I probably don't even remember the worst of them before, you know, 2000. I, I remember this, the, the oh, 2010 win, the two Monday games, or maybe the one Monday game. Uh, oh, yeah, 2011 was the Warnock game. So I do remember both of them, the Monday and the Warnock game. But otherwise, they've 
they've always belted us and we've had the occasional win here and there, but it's always good to beat teams, especially now when we have the ability to win games and beat teams that we haven't beaten for so long. I hope they haven't forgotten. I just hope they haven't forgotten what those teams did to us. And obviously not every player was there when that happened, but most were, right? And, and even from a leadership perspective, Cripps was there through a lot of them. He would hold that with him and bring that into each game. So can only hope we keep repaying a lot of these teams. But that was just a really solid performance. And even even though it never felt like it was over and just based off, you know, being scarred in the past about these type of games that end up close, we did pull through in the end. And I feel like it would have been over at three-quarter time if Ollie had kicked that goal on the three-quarter time siren. It took him a long time to kick his first goal. He kept getting a bit nervous, but he finally got it last week, which is great to see. He's been... Absolutely fantastic. I'll touch on the two new boys now, actually, whilst whilst we're on the discussion of Ollie, but Ollie's been fantastic. It was a really good pickup, just in terms of his running ability, because that's something we desperately need. I just watching especially watching against teams like St. Kilda, Adelaide, we really do lack a lot of speed. And Ollie's not an especially quick sprinter by any means, but his endurance running is so, so good. And I got to watch him Last year when he played for Murray a little bit, um, I saw him in person for one game and just he would just not stop. He was just a workhorse up and down the ground. He was burning off players like Will Ashcroft, Harry Sheasel with with ease. There was not a question of who was better on the day. Ollie was definitely up there, top three. In that game that I watched, it was Sandy and Murray. It was a it was a final it was a finals game. So he was just impressing on a lot of in a, in a lot of different areas and he's been fantastic he's transitioned that really well and you you look at him with his size and straight away the doubts are there because you think is he going to be able to match it with the physicality compared to the the, the guys at that level that are just huge but he he has and he's held his ground and we saw that uh there was that punch against Lynch in round one that was fantastic and he did it again in this Geelong game. I can't remember who it was against. I think it was Hawkins, someone he came and spoiled it. And it was when it was around eight points or nine points. So real game-saving things. And that's something you can't really teach. It just it just comes naturally for some of these players. And he's been terrific. And it's always good seeing the younger boys as well. For like In my perspective, the kids that are around my age, it's quite weird in a way seeing them play at AFL level uh, because it's, at this age, at least from my perspective, it doesn't feel like you should be walking into an AFL club every day and guys that are, you know, 10, 15 years older than you are around you. And it, I don't know, it, it's always cool to watch from my perspective. I'm sure a lot of, you know, a lot of people that are older have probably noticed that when they were growing up and seeing, you know, even mates make it. I still haven't had one yet. There's one that plays for Adelaide that I'm waiting to get a game, which would be very cool to watch, but um, it's always something fun to watch when the young kids get a debut. And then the second one, um, we probably will end up at Tassie now that that's been announced, and we hope he's not ending up at Tassie. But Lockie Cowan, he's been fantastic as well. And I, in terms of physicality, when we speak about Ollie, we say, "Well, is he big enough yet?" Lockie is too big, and was never going to be an issue against you know, fully grown athletes. So he just fit in extremely, extremely well. He was a unit at Tassie and against under 18s last year, he looked way too big on the ground. And 
uh, I remember saying to the, uh, the other media guy I worked with at Sandy last year, we, we saw him and I was like, oh, who is that guy? You know, who is that kid? Well, I say guy because I genuinely did think he was about 24, 25 and we both sort of laughed and had a look and saw Lockie Cowan and I thought, you know, any, any club that picks him up has got an absolute unit that could slide right in and luckily we got him. So I was very glad about that. And he's been pretty solid. I think he's dropped off the last couple of weeks, which is probably expected. And, and that's probably the same with Ollie at times. They they ride that high at the start and then fatigue probably has kicked in. You know, the workload can, from under 18s to AFL, I could, you know, I could only assume is just so different and so intense. So it was always going to happen. But they've still been performing well, even regardless of the fact that you know, fatigue may have set in. I don't think Lockie's playing tonight either. He's an emergency, but hopefully he gets back in the side quickly because he's been a good rock. His kicking's been really well. And just that physicality, we've... I don't think our identity in the past, I would say, five to ten years has been exactly, you know, real hard-hitting physical aggressiveness. Not that we've been soft. I mean, I'm definitely sure we have been at times, like, can remember times have been extremely soft, but he brings that real physicality and aggressiveness to the team, which I just, it's always so good to watch that. I mean, it was that whole replacing Liam Stocker play. I feel like he has done that to a better extent, a little more versatile than Stocker and Stock's not doing too bad at St. Kilda actually, but looking at, and and I'd say probably two or three years, we're going to look at that cow and pick up and say, wow, that was elite. There was literally nothing we could have, no one else we could have picked that would have fit the till as well as uh, what Lockie Cowan did. But just looking at some players that played well, Blake Akers, I was pretty critical of him from the start. I think I said in the preseason review, I was never, I was, I was never against it. But I think people expected like a really, in, an insanely good Blake Akers that was going to change a team, but. I just didn't see past the whole role player perspective of him. He definitely improved from St. Kilda to Fremantle. There was an obvious improvement, and I don't think we would have picked him up if it wasn't for that. But also, I I don't didn't think he was ever going to add much more depth than we already had. But he, he has, and he's, he's, pro- he's proved that not every game, but there's definitely aspects of his game that make us better, give us some more run and carry. Um, and back to the Lockie O'Brien point, I would take Blake Akers in a heartbeat over Lockie O'Brien. Much more efficient, much more effective with the ball. So definitely impressive. Um, and there was, I did have some doubts. I was like, this could just sort of be another av- really average role player that doesn't really add anything, but he's actually added another element rather than just being a general role player. Uh, Saad's been, oh, he's insane. He's Probably my favourite player to watch. But I say that because he makes the most impact per possession and, of course, that's what you want. You don't want a player that's given it up every disposal, Lockie O'Brien. But Saad's been fantastic, really good to watch. It's just you see the difference when you don't have that burst off half back, and, you know, that's why we miss Zach Williams as much because now you've only got the left, you know, the left half back to burst off, whereas you've got, you know, when Williams is in, you've got both the left and right side to burst off. So it is a bit disappointing that he's gone for the season, but 
with Saad. You've got an element of speed and that's all you need sometimes to kickstart. You know, going through the corridor, which we were always we which we were scared of in those first couple of rounds and you know, last week we saw a glimpse, but I'm not taking it you know, overly serious. It was good that we showed those elements of play, but you need to do it against a tough opponent and that's why, you know, back to right at the start of this podcast, based off the result of tonight. You, I feel like this conversation could just go back to square one and be like, okay, well, we're not even doing that. These players, we've got these players and then they don't even help you in a sense to actually play that type of way against quality opposition. So it'll be interesting to see how tonight goes down. Ed Kern, I'm just looking here as, uh, he's an interesting one. I feel like he started well and had a good impact to start off with. I don't think that impact is there anymore. I'm not really sure his service is needed as much and that goes on top of the Matt Kennedy talk where how does a player like Matt Kennedy not make it into the side over Ed Kerno? And experience is probably the most obvious answer, but I don't agree with that as much. Why not play your best team over someone who's got more experience? It just doesn't sit well with me. Ed does his role as well as he possibly can, but I'm just not sure that he's the right fit at the moment when you have Matt Kennedy sitting on the sidelines and not even getting a game at the moment, unless he will be probably be the sub again, but in terms of a starting 22 player. Charlie kicks five. That was fun to watch. Um, and he doesn't usually do it at the MCG as well very often. It's always Marvel where he kicks his bag, so it was uh, it was fun to watch him do it at the MCG for once and turn it on and Jeremy Cameron's kick six. He cannot miss. He cannot miss at all, which is frustrating because every time he marked it, you just sort of gave him before he even kicked the ball. Um, and, I'll, and I'll plug whilst I'm at it the rest, the show Ari and I do on the Blue Abroad channel, which talks about all the other games. The rest is uh, really, it's in its name and... We did talk about Jeremy Cameron that week. So head over to the BA channel. I There's a 99% chance if you're listening to this podcast, you're already subscribed. So do us a favor, give us a watch on a Wednesday night. We appreciate the people who come and watch live and chat in the comments. Um, we're trying to get up as much engagement as we can. Obviously, it's difficult sometimes when it's a Carlton channel, right? It's hard to get... People who want to hear about the other clubs because we're all, you know, diehard Blues fans at heart, so it's we don't really care too much about the other clubs. But trust me, we give a good conversation, and it's not just about going through game and ga- you know game by game reviews. We actually barely touch on that. It's more so the talking points of the week of each other AFL team, you know, what's going on with Tassie, you know, for a great example. So um, head over there on a Wednesday night, seven o'clock. We'd love to. Uh, chat in the comments and get to hear some other people's insight. But moving back to the Blues, I'm at 19 minutes, which is odd. Uh, I'm doing a bit of an Ari here and just talking as much as I can. Um, just a direct hit on him there. Uh, Giants game. I don't want to touch on this one. This one quite anno- annoyed me quite a lot. In terms of percentage, and I know it doesn't matter, as long as no other game has a draw, and Adelaide Collingwood last week was... Uh, Definitely putting me on edge. I, those were two of the teams you do not... Well, especially Adelaide is a team you don't want to have a draw. I feel like come the end of the season, they'll be 
close to us. I don't rate them anywhere outside of Adelaide, but I think they'll bank enough wins in Adelaide to be close to the eight. Uh, but the Giants game was so frustrating. Uh, Giants have proven they're actually competitive. I, I didn't rate them at all when we played them. I was no fan of them, but they, I guess in hindsight you can say, well, they are competitive. They were always going to show up. Uh, but 920 is an issue in itself. Have we we haven't our kicking has been pretty horrendous, I gotta say at times. Um it hasn't been awful. Like we've been more goals and behinds I think more than we've been behinds and goals, but it, I just would love a really accurate game. I would I'd die for it honestly. Just to put a team away so quickly because of how much scoreboard impact you're having. You know, that Giants game should have been over so quickly and we got, I didn't, wouldn't say lucky to win it because we were dominant all day. But if you look at the, you know, the umpire decisions that happened on that day, you definitely could say we were lucky to get the win because I don't think we were going to kick a goal after that if we didn't get that decision, in all honesty. So not a terrific performance. Uh, the North game was identical. That was actually tougher than the Giants game because at least the Giants game, I sort of felt, like, wow, you know, even at our worst, we're still better than their best. I, I still think even if we turn off for 10 minutes, we'll still beat them. North game, I didn't think that. Um, it was just so tough to watch. Not really sure why we play to the level of our opponents sometimes. That 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 is a game that should be over by halftime. And I'm lucky, uh, you know, I'm glad we turned it on, but 46 points up in the fourth quarter, that is just... I like that. That's an unacceptable margin to. Oh, let me rephrase that. It's unacceptable not to win by that margin. And I don't know how long was left um, being at the game, but who couldn't? It wouldn't have been any more than seven, six or seven minutes. So that was really disappointing to see him just you know fall away like that. But it was a good win nonetheless because, you know, at the same time in previous years, we would have let teams like North beat us, which we did if you go back, you know, two years ago, 2021. They would have beaten us and it would have looked even more embarrassing. I'll move to Adelaide. Predicted that spot on that game. I'll, I'll give that to myself. I predicted that very well. I said in the rest, I said that they'll, com- un- you know, they'll comfortably dismantle us. We're ment- we are still mentally weak going to Adelaide. I was going to say interstate, but we've won in Perth, but have they really been against, you know, like good West Coast and Fremantle teams? I would say no. We actually, I don't think we've beaten a good interstate team yet or in the last two or three years. And that's just off the top of my head. We may have had one, one or two. But example, you know, Sydney in three weeks, right? Like that, that is a game I really want to win based off the way Sydney are travelling and and that that might not be the case in 3 weeks they might be on a they might get back into form but they just really need a confidence booster that that tells them they can go into state and beat these teams because come the back end of the year and they re- lucky they don't have to go into state too often Frio is really their last big trip which is round uh doesn't actually say, I think round 15. And they play Gold Coast in the second last round, which I never really classify that as interstate purely because there's always a bigger opposition support base than there is Gold Coast. 
but they really need a big scalp. It would just help long-term-wise. You know, Adelaide was just another reminder that we aren't there or not not ready to compete when it matters interstate. You know, if we... If, and could go back to last year and say, I thought, well, you know, we beat Collingwood, would have gone to Brisbane and probably got smacked. Why well, would agree with that. I don't think we would have competed well with Brisbane over there and we didn't compete well with them in the back end of last season over there. Um, so it's just, disapp- it was just so disappointing. It's that whole thing of you, you know, you like, you expect it to happen, but you're still disappointed even when it does happen. And I feel like that was me on the night. Probably the most annoyed I was after a game. Uh, I left after quarter time, but I always get sucked in into, you know, into watching it still. Like I'll just sort of go away from it for 10 minutes, but I just can't keep looking at the score. I just got to turn it on and put it on. And it was even worse. And they, they, they pretended for a bit like they were going to come back. And then Adelaide said, nah, we're all right. But that was just extremely disappointing. And it was probably the biggest expo, like biggest exposure that our run and carry game and our, you know, our, Ability to explode through the middle, have some dare across through the corridor just wasn't there. Or, or if it wasn't there, we just don't have that ability, I don't think. It fatigues a bit too easily. Um, and that's what you've got to be prepared to do against teams like Adelaide, like Collingwood, like Sydney. They're downhill skiers and I'm not an AFL coach. I can't give expert opinion, but I don't think it is that hard to make a game plan against those teams. Like... You saw what Brisbane did against Collingwood. Like, set up behind the ball. Have your three back, you know. They're going to just try run, you know, run out the back of you. Well, set up. Set up well. You won't have that issue. And that's... I don't think Adelaide did that as much. They just... They were leading very well. Their leading patterns were very, very good. I'm just frustrated we couldn't combat. I, I just... We haven't been able to combat that in a long time, I feel like. And it was a, just so disappointing just so so disappointing it really felt like we hadn't gone anywhere from last year and I don't really take that statement back and if we lose tonight that that just I feel like that proves it as well that we aren't we haven't gone anywhere and then the St Kilda game yet again probably another another game where we went not backwards I'd I don't think this game was as bad as what people have made it out to be. Maybe because I was just so let down by the Adelaide game and I, I and I had no excitement to go to this game, which I haven't felt in a long time. I didn't really want to go. Purely just... To, I was... Ex- I don't know if I was expecting it again, but it was just more so the frustration it's like well what we haven't actually how much have we actually learnt from last year is my like are they actually going to do anything different probably not and they didn't they didn't do anything different in hindsight but they didn't play awful because for the first three quarters uh, I know sorry the first two and a half quarters they were doing as much as they could right it was even back and forth and then I'm actually not sure what happened. Uh, they just completely switched off. Their execution of just general fundamentals was really poor. 
I mean, St Kilda's backline setup was just spot on. But again, is that not something you can predict? I mean, it's Ross Lyon. It's not. It's not his first year coaching. It, it was quite evident he was going to come in with a defensive game plan, and we couldn't work around that. But it, but even so, if it, even if they come in with something different for the first, the first you know first half, you should have a coaching panel there that is prepared and set up to counteract whatever they've put on you, and that's what disappoints me. And I don't feel like we ever do that, and. I don't know what every, you know. each single coach does in that box. They might have a different role on game day as they do to just their general position in that, at that club. But there should be someone doing stats, you know, just general. Like, I assume they've got heat maps on their computers. They've got all that software. Figure it out. Figure it out quickly. Would have helped if our fundamentals were good on the day and it maybe would have given us half a chance to at least combat that. But I don't feel like we ever gave ourselves a chance. And that last quarter was just pathetic. They they gave up. They really did give up. And just Oh I, I don't like I'm actually a bit sort of speechless now thinking about it again. That they just turned off completely. So frustrating. Dominating the touches. I mean everything they were dominating. Um, the clearances were pretty equal. Um, but I just don't, I just don't know how we can't make an impact in a game where you're doing that much to win it really. Um, Jared was terrific. He's been pretty good as well for the, uh, majority of the start of the season. Hasn't really put a foot run too often and performed really well. And, it was, it's been a bit weird seeing him play out of the back. I wasn't a fan of that in all honesty, but I'm hoping with a move like that, that's been practiced in training. That's something that's been brought up a couple of times and not something that's been just told to him on game day because it would be disappointing that with all that prep we've had pre-season and even last year that you're just putting expectation on a player to play a role he's not used to. But he did perform well and he did he did all he could in that one. But it was just in terms of a team performance, it was really it was really deplorable. But I didn't really leave expecting any more, I guess, as I guess not many of us do, which is sad to think about. But um Wow, so it's so frustrating to think about it now, to think back on it. It is just so, so disappointing to think about. But I'll move to the last game. I'm pretty sure it's the last game. Let me double-check here. It was. Uh, West Coast last week. That was terrific to watch because of what they've done to us. Similar to what John have done to us, that was just payback that was just a payback session um I, I don't sit there thinking we're back everything's good to go because it is west coast right it really doesn't mean anything if we don't back it up tonight like it is honestly like it's quite laughable if you lose tonight it's like okay yeah cool they just thought they were back confidence high. like it's always good to have confidence right but you got to match it to your opposition 
um, and West Coast were no good, were they? So uh, that was that was impressive. Charlie kicking nine was so fun to watch. Um, and I was disappointed he didn't get ten. Not really sure how. He, I'm just not sure how he didn't get ten. In all honesty, he just got in the right positions, but never really happened. But it was just a good performance. First hundred point win since 2011. Well, it's actually the first one I can really ever vividly remember. I mean, I remember 2011 like I wasn't at the game, but I remember it happening. And I know it existed, but I couldn't actually remember watching it at all. So it was uh, pleasing to watch it for the first time and switch off, switch off at half time, which I've uh, that never happens where you can just half time. And I was like, okay, game over. Like even you know, forty points up. If it was act- if it was against Brisbane tonight, if we're forty points up, not game over. But you know, with West Coast, right? Like their best was not even going to beat us from forty points. Up, so it was relaxing. It was very good to watch. Um, so that's a bit of a recap from my perspective. I don't feel like it's too different to what other people may think. The, I guess the main takeaway is that it's so expected now for our, like the younger generation. I guess, I guess, and even even though we've been winning and we've showed signs that we were able to take it up. I don't know, I just don't feel like we're there yet. It just it always feels like we're one step away or we're one element away. And that one element is probably speed. And I'll probably stay at that just, I'll probably stay at that thought for a while. I just don't think our game plan will beat the teams who will be there in September, which is... I say September, like you Collingwood, Sydney, Brisbane's who just play fast, demanding football. I just don't think we will beat those teams, which is weird to say because we lost to Collingwood by a point, lost to Melbourne by 11 seconds. So, and we beat Sydney, but I'm just not, I just, I don't know. It's very hard to explain when, you don't actually know what a lot of winning football looks like, sadly, but they're on the right track. It's just whether they may make the most of what they have right now. You can't ever be too complacent because you don't know if you'll ever be back in the eight again, and we've learned that with Fremantle this year. And there's no guarantee we'll make the eight at all. I'm not awfully confident. I feel like we're never... The way I see it is I don't see us finishing lower than 10th. I just don't... We're not going to lose... Like, we, we will beat eight teams below us minimum. We are not bad enough to lose to teams below us. We could be, but I don't think we are. And then you look at this next stretch of games, and I... I mean, I said last year, surely you can't lose four games in a row. By chance, one of them has to go our way, which really should have been Melbourne and Collingwood. I just think that was a you seriously could not get a situation like that again. I feel like that four that zero four period was really a two and two period that just just went. If that was in the middle of the year, it would have been a two and two period. It was more so the situation at the time got to them zero and four, and we live with that and we move on from it. But six on the ladder at the moment. 
I, I'd assume 13 wins minimum gets gets you at least into 10th. Uh, hard to say now. It's easy to do ladder predictor, and, I, and I'll say that because I do it myself for fun. And I always have, you know, like four teams on 13 wins, but like it won't happen. It will not end like that. It never goes to plan. It never will. There will always be upsets during the season. So I'm not, I say 13 wins, but I could see it being less. Teams can drop off in an instant, which we learnt ourselves. So just be, they just need to bank their wins as early as they can. And I think to get out of this next period, uh, next five games, which is Brisbane, Dogs, Collingwood, Sydney, maybe someone else. But for those four teams at the very least, to get out of that, like I'd love to be out of that three and one. Not two and two, not one and three. Three and one or four and oh. You have to set those expectations or you simply will not get better. And if they wanted to finish two and two, then you might as well just not. What's the point of making finals? You need to beat those teams, so beat them. So I would love to see that happen. Weird to think we'll be in the top four if we win tonight. I think we'll be in it by the end of the round as long as Port Adelaide don't win, I think. Possible. But that's 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 it. That's where I'll leave it. I talked for a long time, which I haven't done. Just wanted to see how it went. Bit of an update, especially if just people wanted to listen to an extra podcast, get a bit of a different perspective on on the club because I don't talk about them too often. I'm not a big fan of talking about it after the games, which is why I don't release this podcast very often because there are a lot of other podcasts and I don't... Sometimes I just think I'm repeating what everyone else is, which you just I'm not a big fan of and I'd rather release something once in a while and give a bit of a a different perspective out of nowhere rather than every week. Um, but also another individual plug, I have a draft podcast and a new it's sort of a draft podcast news platform um, with another fellow called John T. Ralph Smith, which details the under the radar prospects. So it is not a main journalism account that is simply like, look at this top 10 player every single week. It is pretty much everyone after the first round because a lot of people get to November and they sort of think, well, like who is there? Who am I watching? Like who else is there? What, who else is our club going to pick up? And that's who we focus on. So we will not, we do not talk about Harley Reid ever. We, we sort of mention the top players if they play well in a game, but we don't really go into a lot of depth. So we love talking about those players and giving them a bit of exposure because they don't get it very often. And if you have to wait until the big journalists get to you, then you probably will be waiting a while. So Craft of the Draft is, what's that, if, is what that's called. Uh, it is based on the Talent League or the TAC Cup, NAB League, whatever you might have heard it of because it changes names every couple of years. It feels like go, uh, yeah, go to that, head to that, have it, have a bit of a listen. If you're interested even a little bit in the draft and want to get a bit of a head start on who you should be watching, uh, we are very extensive with the way we do our research. We're in touch with the coaches every week. Um, and we're down to trainings. We're down at games every week. So we're giving very extensive draft coverage already. And 
keep following that. Um, if you're a fan of that, and especially come the end of the year, remember the name at the very least and uh, head over, give it a listen and let, let me know what you think if you do listen and love to take your feedback on board. But I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much for listening. Just a one-off. I'm sure I'll return for the mid-season review with... Oh, I'll drag Ari on along for the very least, but uh, hopefully we get Kira, Jazz and Dory back on. So until then, have a great day, afternoon, night. Hopefully the Blues win tonight. If not, apologies that this uh, podcast is a bit more optimistic. But uh, until then, we'll see you in the next episode. Go Blues.